season is finally at an end. The A-League men's competition is back. Kicking off on Friday with the grand final replay between Melbourne City and the reigning champions Western United at Amy Park. Welcome to the Offside Report A-League edition. My name is Nick Guglielmino and alongside me, as always, is Mitch Ball, whose expertise probably lies in the Premier League, it's fair to say, Mitch. I would say you're right, but look, we don't mind a bit of A-League. We're still, you know, we're based in Australia. It's got to be about the A-League and... It's hard to avoid. Love it. yeah. It's hard to avoid. But we've had to call in an expert, um, an A-League men's expert, that is, uh, to preview today's, uh, to preview this season's 2022-23 season. And that man is Jack Elliott. Jack, it's a pleasure to have you on the Offside Report. What's it like to finally get a call-up onto the podcast? This is a dream of mine. Thank you, Nick, for that warm introduction. Um, <laughs> uh, we, lo- we use the term A-League expert very loosely in this room as well, by the way. But the reason why I'm on the program today is to promote, help promote the A-League season upcoming um, and also get people like Mitch to stop being such A-League bashers. Mm, we are ex- Euro ex- snobs. Yeah. yeah. If Mitch, you're meant to be a football person and you speak, you know, you don't speak very fondly of the A-League and that, you know how much that upsets me. So <laughs> I'm keen to really get to the bottom of it. We'll go through each team, we'll preview the season, have a bit of fun and get excited for what's ahead. Absolutely. I've just been putting my cage straight away, haven't I? This is, yeah, this is great. Yeah, the That's pressure's great. on you to uh, deliver on this pro- podcast as well, being an Australian. And look, if, if the Socceroos won the World Cup, you'd be the first one celebrating or not showing up to work on the Monday. So I'd also probably be the first one to admit I was wrong about everything I said about Australia <laughs> needing to possibly miss out on the World Cup, as I did well, in the uh, podcast the other day. So, no, look... I'm, I'm prepared to be proved wrong and prepared to fall in love with the A-League if uh, good old Jack Elliott or the Prez uh, can convince me. It's a big year for the A-League. It really is. I think COVID's no longer an excuse. Uh, the APL have now had their time. They've got the control that they wanted. Um, there's some marquee players in, the marquee coach as well as in Dwight York. Um, I think it's really important that the league gets off to a good start. Um, and I am really hopeful that it does because, um, yeah, if this season doesn't go well, and I know Paramount and Channel 10 are doing their best, um, it might not be great for the league moving forward. So, yeah. Um, I think um, what today will be about is um, helping build some excitement for the, the league ahead, and I'm looking forward to it. So, boys, before we get stuck into it, there was a cup final on the weekend, the Australian Cup final uh, between MacArthur and Sydney United 58. Um, it was obviously MacArthur's first major trophy since the club's establishment a couple of years ago. Relatively comfortable 2 0 victory in the end, it has to be said. Uh, no fairy tale finish as well for the MP. Club, but certainly a run they can be proud of. Boys, let's keep this on field for the second. Um, what did you make of the game uh, from an on field perspective? Uh, good signs for MacArthur heading into the mm. season um, ahead of Dwight, Dwight York's first season in charge. Uh, firstly, I think um, it's just really disappointing that you, you scroll down the Fox, Port, Fox Sports webpage and it's just talk about the Sydney United supporters. Yeah. And then the second article is about what happened in Indonesia at a game. Um, 
and that's obviously tragic. But mm. um, with a week to go until the A League starts and the headline, and this is a you know a major tournament that Macarthur won. It's a big story. Dwight York in his first year playing some great football. That the headlines are around their yeah. supporters. Um, it's a real shame. And I watched that live. Oh, sorry, well, live on TV, mm. um, and it was awkward to watch the Welcome to Country. Um, with the noise in the background um it's yeah it's probably a a talking point for another day but um we love passion in football it's our biggest asset but um that's just um disrespectful the behavior that took place then um and it's a real shame oh yeah absolutely and to um continue on your point when i was doing my research for this podcast and i just typed up macarthur um australian cup final recap I couldn't actually find a recap of the match. Yeah. Like the first six or seven articles that came up were about the fans, but um, I, I have something to say about that a little bit later on. But before we do, Mitch, do you have anything to say about the actual game and the performance? Look, I think as far as MacArthur are concerned, they probably wanted to be a little bit more clinical in front of goal. They had a lot of shots off target. I think it was something like 17 shots off target, which is just, yeah. you know, it is a week out of this from the season. They'd want to really have that improved and down pat. But I think we also saw they had quite a high possession, 60%. Yeah. So that's what you expect when you're versing an MPL team, um, an MPL team that is at the end of their season that, that, that they're done. So you can say, oh, yeah, they're at their peak. Well, they're also not. Mm-hmm. By the end of the year, everyone's carrying a niggle. Everyone's carrying an injury. Uh, McCarthy obviously didn't play their full-strength team, you know, for the full 90. Uh, they had some players that started on the bench and, and it stayed that way. But I, I think it would have ticked a lot of boxes for them on the pitch. In the end, they got the result. That's all they're asked to do. That's all we expect of them. But they did leave it late to make it – it wasn't convincing, but, you know, when you only score – when you're 1-0 up until the 90th and you're the A-League team, you're starting this weekend, I think you'd want to be – you'd want to have a lot more on it um, and be sort of winning this three or four nil. And that's not to start taking anything away from Sydney United, but this is semi-professionals versus professionals. And that's the reality. So I think MacArthur would have wanted to have a better victory, but in the end it's, it's, you know, it's a new team under a new way. Yeah. And look, it ticks a box. It's a trophy at the end of the day. And, and that's all it is. Yeah, that's it. I mean, they probably suffered a case of second-year blues last season, MacArthur. Um, so to kick this season off with a trophy, that gives them massive confidence heading into the new season. But off the field, like you touched on, Jack, um, the night was obviously marred and overshadowed by some disgusting behaviour, to say the least, from the Sydney United fans. And, it, like, I was just... First and foremost, I was shocked by what we were actually seeing throughout mm. the game. Um, like they, they had this is an MPL team that they had their moment in the spotlight, national television, massive coverage, and they really ruined ruined it for football fans around the country, particularly those of Croatian heritage who weren't involved. Um, obviously, Sydney United has that strong Croatian presence, and they used their opportunity in the uh, in the in the spotlight, sorry, to um, boo during the Welcome to Country, and um, followed by displaying Nazi salutes and singing fascist chants. Can I just start by saying? I was thinking to myself before the game, um, seeing their support, uh, their flags, the colour, the culture, the passion. I was like, "This is what this is what the A League should be." Yeah, it looked amazing. Um, it, it was honestly incredible. I'm like, and I've, I've always been wondering why Football Australia ever wanted to break away from the NSL, the NPL teams, and those ethnic ties. Because at, at the end of the day, that's what Australian football is built on. That's our history. That's what we should be embracing: the cultures of these clubs instead of cutting ties and starting fresh with A-League clubs um, because we really do have something different compared to leagues around the world and even other
other codes in Australia, like the AFL and NRL. Um, and we saw how the Italians celebrated the Euros last year in Ligon Street. Like they came out in bloody by their thousands. Um, and that's that's what the A-League could be. So anyway, when the Welcome to Country started, followed by the game and, you know, the camera panning to Sydney United fans making, you know, Nazi salutes, I just thought to myself, I'm like, oh, yeah. Fair enough. Like that's that's why this football Australia. Yeah, it it just sets the the sport back years and years. You see um, images of Joel Selwood, um, you know, with um, with the supporters celebrating, and um, and then you see images of what happened at the, the FFA Cup final. Um, with the Sydney United supporters. It just simply sets the sport back years and years. So we've um, got a long way to go, um, but, yeah, it, it's really unfortunate and hopefully uh, they um, get there's some repercussions for that behaviour. There's some action taken. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, just how harsh it is. And, and you said uh, you kept referring to just, just Sydney United. This This affects every single club in the MPL system that has been begging and pleading to be given an opportunity because your South Melbourne Hellas, well, that there's just straight away, there's your Nick Ty, your Preston Lions, you've got the, these clubs that are massive, that have these big supporter bases that are big for the level they're playing at. They're all affected by this because they all get tarnished with the same brush. Whether And that, we're not saying that's fair, but the reality is they do. Yeah. And, you know, the next time it comes around about the whole second division conversation, well, Sydney United were in that conversation. That now affects that. And and it's it's deplorable that it does and it's very unfortunate that is it, it's a minority that affects the majority yeah. um and unfortunately they'll all get tarnished with the same brush because soccer in australia or football in australia doesn't get the best po- headlines anyway so when anything like this happens it, it's it's yeah. just it puts us back so far in a conversation you know no one wants to the, you know parents all of a sudden come out and go once upon a time it was i don't want my kid playing afl or, or nrl because they get hurt the tackles are hard blah 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 well i don't want my son playing or daughter playing in the in football because of what's around it at the moment and that's that that is the reality people don't want to be in and around that i won't go and watch my local team play in case this happens well it's a big what if because it is such a small minority that causes these issues but unfortunately soccer just has the the camera pointed right on it and every time it does it's never a pretty picture yeah yeah especially in australia yeah um and it's just weird behavior as well like you'd think these mpl fans over the last uh few years well since the a-league's been created uh they'd be itching to get themselves in the a-league you know through a second division like you mentioned and when the ffa cup came around and now the australian cup came around that that gives them a platform to really showcase you know what they could bring and then they just they win this and they get a spot in the asian champions league yeah like what what bigger what bigger stage to put yourself on to give yourself every opportunity to go make us make us your what are we sorry 13 14 teams yeah. like make make that me being a former member of the northern terrace there, there is <laughs> leadership amongst these supporter groups aren't there there is which yeah um and, and who are their job is to hold certain standards i imagine is that just something that obviously isn't the case in it for an MPL team, which understandably so, I guess they don't have those resources. Um, Who knows? I mean, seeing all those flags and banners, you'd think there'd have to, have to be some sort of, uh, I mean, leadership group yeah. within that, you know. Yeah, but anyway, uh, obviously it was a blight on the night and uh, the game in general uh, for the country. So we'll put the negatives behind us and we'll look to a few positives and we'll move on to the A-League season preview. And we touched on MacArthur just then. Um, 
Let's continue on that just for um, a quick second. And they've obviously made a massive signing this season, um, the Bulls, and that is Daniel Arzani. He joins um, uh, the newest A-League club, um, a, a massive signing for them, and also himself with the with the World Cup coming up. I mentioned how um, McCarver had suffered a bit of the second-year blues last season. Um, do we see Arzani becoming that talisman and building his case for Guitar 2022? I think it's the rebrand that he needs. Um, personally, after having a lot of time in the spotlight and, and not, I don't want to say not performing, but definitely not the, the Australians. We love giving everyone, you know, a second anyone shows any promise, it's, well, he's it. He's the next best thing. I expect him to do this. He, he was a teenager. He was a kid. It's a lot of pressure. So right now he's gone to MacArthur, new opportunity. It's in a squad that I wouldn't say that he's expected to have to run the line uh, and to do it. So it gives him every opportunity to really just have a season, focus on himself and get things right and put himself in a good position in the first eight weeks to really say, hey, guys, why not me for the Socceroos? And I think that's that's all he's got to do is just, you know, release the pressure and just play freely and that's when we saw the best of Azani. Yeah. I mean, he only really has a month. It's not eight weeks, is it? No. I keep thinking it is. It's no, no. So, yeah, November 13. So round six there is the an A-League break. So round six is November 13 and round seven is December 9. Mm. So, yeah, he's got a month. Um, I'm not sure who they're playing first up, but it shouldn't matter really. But he has a month to really um, t- to prove himself. Yeah, and I, I think he looked pretty good on the weekend. Um, he's a part of a lethal midfield group. You've got um, Davila, who is amazing, um, and it was great for him to obviously get that um, silverware after um, what he's gone through personally yeah. in his life. Um, so he's a great captain and leader. Uh, Johnny, former Johnny Warren medal winner as well. Um, Toure showed some good signs on the weekend, um, former Adelaide City player. Um, expect big things from he- this year. I reckon this is his time. Um, Azani, I think, will need to link up with a good striker. I'm not sure yet who that will be at MacArthur. They lost Juric. Yeah. Um, he's gone to link up with Popovich at Victory. But um, they did bring in a Georgian international called Bashana Arabuli, who I don't know a huge amount about, to be honest with you. Um, but Georgian international, um, we'll see what he's like. Um, but it's seen when I look through their squad, it looks like they've got a lot of dependence on him leading the line for them. The other, the, just before we leave MacArthur, I, I like the signing of Matthew Miller personally. Yes. And that's because yeah. I like that one played against him and I coached his younger brother but he just wanted to slip that in I did I did that's my little that's my only knowledge and that's as far as my ties go um, but he can play you know, he, he went from starring in a Dandenong Thunder team in the NPL to Melbourne City signing him as a 16-year-old. I'm oh, sorry, Melbourne Heart at that point, uh, to going overseas and playing. And, you know, he's just come back from St. Miriam where he didn't, you know, did not do himself any harm. So I think he coming him coming back is huge. Um, and I think he'll want to set the record straight and go, I can dominate the A-League and, and lead again. And he's he's got a motor on him. So he'll be running up and down the, uh, from a fullback, I dare say, and hopefully causing some issues. When he was at Newcastle, he was one of the better wingbacks mm. in the competition, and that was in an average side. So um, I agree, Mitch. It'll be um, good to see him yeah. out on the field this year in the A-League. Going back on their fixture as well, they start off with Brisbane Raw, MacArthur. So it's, it's a, well, it's defensively, a, they'll be tested from the get-go with, with Brisbane's newest import as well. So it's 
going to be a good game. Very true. But favourable, I'd say, for MacArthur, followed by Adelaide. Um, so uh, it, it's an opportunistic uh, moment for Daniel Arzani, who was um, obviously the Socceroos golden boy at the last World Cup. So hopefully he can kick the season off uh, with a bang and get himself to guitar. From one champion to another, Western United, they came from nowhere last season to claim they made it an A-League championship. They finished fifth in their debut season, dropped to 10th the year later. Last season, they finished third and obviously won the championship. What does success look like for them heading into this year? Do we expect them to go back to back? I mean, they'd probably fancy their chances um, after making a mockery of the odds odds last season. But where do we have Western United placed? I think success to them is top four this year. Um, they internally will obviously want to go back to back, but um, it might take a little while for Diamante and Prijevic as well to, to get on the park. Um, so I think one, if they get in the top four and then they have their, their first 11 fit, they have proven that they can beat anyone on their day. In terms of new players that they've brought in, I mean, this is a it's probably the best sign when you look at an A-League team, the least amount of turnover. You look at a lot of these teams and they've got 15 new players in. Um, you know, Western United, they've been able to keep their core um, uh, they've only had to bring in Troisi Tratt and Dumbia for some for some depth really um, but the fact that they've been able to keep Prijevic is massive no doubt he had a lot of offers from other Asian countries even European money offers too yeah so, so that is yeah. that is massive for the club and the league and massive credit to Western United and the team there to be able to um, to keep him yeah 13 goals last season in his first season uh, leading the line obviously had big boots to fill with uh, Bursa Barisha leaving but um, yeah like you said um, there'll be a massive reliance on Priovic again to lead them to a top four finish look I, I tend to agree with Jack they've got to finish that top four mark yeah. and I think that top, finishing top four is just it's almost their pass now and, and that's just what's expected when you win when you win a league and as, as Jack said you, you don't have a lot of turnover well, what's your excuse for not dropping off? Because it's not like they don't have the depth. It's not like their player, their squad's massively aging. It should be able to replicate it, um, and I think that's what that's that's what Aloisi will expect, and that's what he'll want. And you know, he mentioned uh, Jack and I were lucky enough to go to their their season launch, and you know, Aloisi was very strong in mentioning, you know, we've had a big preseason, we've had a tough preseason, and that's because we want to you know do better than what we did last year. And, well, that can only be meaning that they want to have a better, you know, actual season during the year mm-hmm. and to really make sure that, hey, why can't we do the double of, you know, being premiers and grand final winners? Yeah, yeah it's a massive credit to the culture that Alois is um, instilled at, at that organisation. Um, the players seem to really love playing for him, especially that younger group like your, your Connor Payne, even though he's not that young anymore, um, and Dylan Wenzel-Halls and Lockie Wales. They yeah. seem to really love him. Um and also credit has to go to Hayden Fox, I think. Like, I don't know a huge amount about him. I just see him on the sidelines with his clipboard and a pen. But apparently what he's doing there, from the, he runs the defensive side of this team and they are rock solid back there. Right. Um, I mean, like Leo Lacroix came out last year praising the level of detail that Hayden Fox gives him and his fellow defensive unit. So if they can keep that tight and um, not concede many goals and then they'll have their attacking players and their their core group throughout the season um, they're definitely a top four side and a, a championship threat the, the biggest one for me is keeping that core group together the chemistry they've got chemistry on their side and 
uh, it's hard to see them really dropping off, um, especially the way they finished last season. Their round one opponents, Melbourne City, the reigning premiers, and I feel like they'll go into this season with a bit of a chip on their shoulder um, after losing out in last year's grand final. Um, but, the, I mean, like we, me and Mitch were talking before the podcast, and um, throughout the season, Melbourne City, you backed them to um, finish top of the table. Uh Every season almost. Um, they claimed 14 victories out of 26 outings last season, um, registering seven draws and only five defeats. So um, they failed to defend their crown because Norway's men, but um, yeah, it, it, it's, I feel like they can enter this season with um, yeah, a bit of a chip on their shoulder, and I can't see them finishing anywhere else other than the top two at least. They haven't had a huge amount of turnover either, which is um, which is a really good sign. Uh, it'd be interesting to see out of their team, out of their side, which so- which players get an opportunity at the soccer level in Qatar. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not going to have an effect on their season because the A-League has accommodated for that, which is a really good sign for them. Yeah. Like you said, they top one or two is a, a pass mark for them. I mean, they've got an amazing squad on paper. Um, they've brought in some quality. Um, Tilio, Lecky, Good, Nabu, like they're all, they could all be starting in Qatar. Yeah. Um, yeah. No other A League side boasts that that amount of um, potential Socceroos. Yeah. And throw in Jamie McLaren, who's won the last three Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and, and their ins haven't been too bad either. So it's, it's, it's quite a formidable side. But I think in the end, you can put whatever team you want out on paper. And the issue is, they weren't beaten on paper. They were, beating, they were beaten last year on coaching tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't want to question Kiznobo because he's obviously doing a good job. Uh, you, don't, you don't win a premiership plate, you know, and I still think in, in football that's that's always been the, you know, look at every other league. There's no grand, there's no final system. It's who is the best over a full season. And, and that's what I think City will hang their hats on. But the reality is both times or when they played uh, Western throughout this season, they tried to play a long ball over a six-foot, five-centre-half and it's never going to work like that. You you just can't break down a team like that. And Kiznoba didn't even change that for the grand final. So I think a lot of questions will be asked um, of that if if they if they start the same this this week this weekend. So the reality is they've got to come out and actually keep that ball in the deck because they've got such good ball players that they should be able to break them down with quick ball movement. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the measure of this Melbourne City team. And you could ask argue that's why Borussia's come into the squad um, to actually really improve that and, and give them another weapon in that midfield. So. But it's just got to work and it's going to come down to what Kiznobo actually is going to put down as a tactic this year going forward, not so much the players on the field because the players on the field are, this is arguably the best squad yeah. in, the, in the A-League full stop. Yeah, and they also brought in uh, Van de Ven from the mm. Netherlands. I think another good age, 30-year-old, spent the last two years playing in the, the Dutch top flight. So uh, again, it's hard to say the impact he'll have, but we'll, sh- we'll soon find out. And also Thomas Lam. Uh, Finnish international um, who was playing in the Bulgarian top league last year, former Not Forest, um, impressive club CV, so defensive midfield player. So um, he should fit into that side nicely as well. Plenty of experience. Experience, experience wins you go. And, you know, coming those those late games and those tight games at the end, that's where the experience pays its bills. So what does the Asian Champions League mean for them? If you're going to put a team together like this, you want to win it. Because in the end, they've got the depth. So you look at these young players like your Tilios, like your <laughs> pretty much every player that you've got at City, O'Neill's, they might not necessarily play the biggest role. City now have the depth to really just get up get up 2-0 
and bring on the bring on the kids or do it the other way, be at head 2-0 with the kids and just they, they have the flexibility because O'Neill is a fantastic player, a really good box-to-box or number six for them. Um, obviously was at Burnley, uh, made his debut against Liverpool. So the kid can play. <laughs> You're not playing in the Premier League at that age and coming over here and you can't do your job. So you add these experienced heads around them the knowledge that these guys be able to pass down. Like we're talking about Bruce has played in the Champions League. He knows what he's doing. He knows these players. He knows the biggest stage. So to be able to give that to these kids and then when they're going and playing at these Champions League, at this at that Asian Champions League level, it should be able to give them so much confidence and they should be able to just go out and play. And, and realistically, he's almost got the depth to really, you know, have one or two experience, or have one, you know, if they're going to play 4-3-3, have one experienced midfielder in the middle with the, with the kids going, you guys do all the running. I'll just, I'll just act as a pivot man and like a quarterback of this team. And as far as I'm concerned, if you've got a good six, a good quarterback, you're, you're set. Because that's what the six can be, a quarterback. But can we really be comparing them to the juggernauts of Asian football right now? They played six games in 15 days last season, Melbourne City. Mm. And I don't know if they'll have to do that again because the structure might be different out of COVID times. But that certainly played a factor in how they performed in the A-League finals last year. But for them to win the A-League championship, they need to manage their Asian Champions League as well. So I'm sure they learnt a, a heck of a lot from last season. So um, best of luck to them. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, rounding out the Victorian teams, or the Melbourne teams, I should say, Melbourne Victory, as a Victory supporter, I've enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed their transformation under Tony Popovich, obviously finishing rock bottom the season before he arrived. He entered uh, with a bang, like I thought he would. I've always wanted Popovich at Melbourne victory and um, yeah, to reach deep into the finals like he did last season. Um, it was obviously a massive jump for victory. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously the biggest story around victory this off season has been the arrival of Lewis Nanny. Um, they've lost a few, they've lost a few key players, Rojas, um, one of them. But do we see Lewis Nanny helping Popovich's side uh, take the next step, close the gap on the uh, the two grand finals? Tell you what, if that was an ex-Liverpool player, you would not have given that much of a sombre, um, you know, introduction to the kid. If that had been any – like I'm talking about a Liverpool bench player that never even started a game, that like came on in the like 90th minute of like a – uh, Carabao Cup, you would have been like, oh, and they've just signed the biggest player ever. It's um, Paul George who, you know, came off the bench for one game for Liverpool in the Carabao Cup uh, opening round of, you know, 42 against low, you know, Scunthorpe United. That That's, you would have just, that's unbelievable from you. Um, yeah, will a, will a Champions League winner, um, has done it on every single stage ever, be able to make an impact in the A-League? Yes, yes, Nick. Okay. Yes, I really hope a Liverpool player comes next year, and we can just compare well, the pair last year because. Oh yeah, and you were so excited about that. Of course, I was excited. And then he barely got off the plane because his dog couldn't get into the country. <laughs> At least Nani made it into the country, and he's like, he actually trains. And do you know he's played? Every, he's played all cup games. He's gone Bentley Greens. I'll play against Bentley Greens. He's turning up late to training, apparently. Paying some fines, I hear, for his his proper standards. I think, you know, he's set some tight rules, which is good, which is good. Um, And he's settling into the the culture at Melbourne Victory, no doubt. Um, I mean, he's he's in good shape, isn't he? I see some pictures of him. He's he's in pretty good nick. So, uh, so I mean, 
it's exciting. Mm. It's going to put bums on seats. That's the that's yes. going to be great to yeah. see. Um, of the world, the Euro snobs will be out in force. I will neither confirm nor deny that I'll be at the first game he plays. <laughs> but I, I actually I just want to go back a question here, Jack. You say he's paying fines. Do you think that? Like, because obviously, I don't know what a standard A League fine is, but we all see the po- like the posters of the Premier League fines, and it's like t- when like ten grand every minute you're late. Do you reckon he pays like his fines on percentages? Like, say the standard no, team fines like two hundred bucks if you're late. Do you reckon that's for him? It's like twenty grand. Like, does he his fines more expensive? Because like two hundred bucks to Nani is like us going and buying a coffee. I like, think seriously. I think they would have to stay the same across the board, and that's why he doesn't really give a shit about paying them. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably in his contract. He's gone, and yeah, and you know, ten percent of my wage. Yeah, that just goes to fines. Just just chip away at it. It's fine. I, I am excited though, Mitch. Despite what you say about my um about my ties and my uh, I mean anti ties to Manchester United, he did a ride in America. Orlando City had seventy seven apps scored twenty eight goals. It's a pretty good return for what he was at the time, a 33-year-old. Wasn't so good for Venezia last season, 10 appearances for zero goals. But the Italian league is so set, uh, all Italian leagues are so set on defence that it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and but, you know, the defensive... Like Italians pride themselves on that, and it's very different to the A League. You know, A League isn't built around the defense; it's built around that counter-attacking and free-flowing football. So I think we'll see a very different return on goals for him in the A League. So can can we see victory making a grand final at least with Nani on their books? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, I mean, I have them finishing premiers, top of the table nice. for me. That's a like prediction that. for for me. Um, I reckon he'll fit in well. Uh, with the likes of Economides and D'Agostino mm-hmm. um, and Brimmer and Berlante kind of holding the fort in the, the centre of the park. Um, it, it, should, it should free him up, um, which, which will be good. Uh, I didn't get to see a huge amount of him uh, in, the, in the FFA Cup or, or any pre-season action. Um, so, but, yeah, I think he'll have an impact. Um, for me personally, as a, especially a Newcastle Jet supporter, I'm just looking forward to him bringing some... Um, putting Fans some bums on seats and, uh, and just bringing a bit of excitement to the game. Um, but as a victory supporter, they'll want to see him perform. Um, and I think he's going to fit well into the system. Uh, I, I don't think he'll necessarily score a lot of goals, but um, if he can um, give a return on a one assist every two games, I think that would be a good result. It's hilarious. We, we've said every other team has you know, done really well to keep their same squad and the fact that high turnover doesn't necessarily mean results. Last year, Victory had a huge turnover yeah. and did extremely well. And this year, you know, they've still got a few – there's a few coming in and coming out. Uh, so, you know, I just – while it, well, it's nice to keep the same squad – Look at Victor; they've, they've released and they've gained a lot more than my other club, or than the you know past two clubs have spoken about, and they'll still be competitive because of the standards they set and the players they've brought in. That experience weighs so much. Yeah. Uh, Sydney FC, their round one opponent. I mean, Sydney are an interesting case because they were a dominant force in Australian football just a few years ago, um, and I, I think they won what, what was it, three championships in that time, three premierships over four seasons. Um, but last season, they it was I mean it was a campaign to forget really. Um, after winning just eight of their twenty six games, they finished eighth on the ladder. They missed the final series altogether. I mean, at the end of the day, I can see Steve Corica's side performing as badly as they did last season, um, having dominated the league in recent years. But 
they should they, they should really be able to challenge for a championship this season. Um, can you see a, a revival happening? Oh, no one man that's going to argue that case, and it is Jack the Prez. Come on. Oh, I've tipped them as uh, champions. Really? Yeah. So to finish around third, but to to um to win the grand final, the A League grand final, um, I think they've recruited incredibly well. Um, Joe Lolly, I mean, it was only a couple of years ago he was not in Forest best player, wasn't he, Mitch? I it's believe. Ama- yeah, it's yeah. amazing that Forest actually brought him back this year considering the amount of players they've re-signed. He's, he's only just 30 years of age so you know he's not past it he's going to really come down feeling like he has a point to prove. Um, the Slovakian Mark who's played for some massive teams Zenit was in the Man City Academy attacking left midfielder he's actually my tip for um, best signing of the year or best foreigner yeah. for the season. Nice. Uh, the Spanish left back Cabalov played for Deportivo was in the Spanish second division um, last season and was actually on Real Madrid's books as a junior so he's obviously got a lot of quality and I think um, Jack Rodwell will be a great signing um, played it the move from the rival yeah I think um, just the, it seemed like a bit of a toxic uh, environment at the Wanderers last season and Rodwell didn't get a chance to settle in and play his best football I think he's going to really fit in perfectly um, at Sydney FC um, they've got to, the squad to complement. He, he'll just sit in the centre defensive midfield to have these um, wide players like Mark and Lolly, and then there's obviously Lafondra as well. Um, young Australians like Max Burgess. They've got a lot of weapons to come off the bench. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I really think that. Rodwell could potentially even be one of the strongest players um, of yep. the season in the, the whole competition. They've also got the wiggle in goal, so they do, Redmayne. Yeah, you can't you can't knock the wiggle. So no, look, it, it does look like they've built, they've tried to rebuild, and they've tried to go down the whole victory path of adding a lot of experience, well, not victory path, but that's their latest to do it. Of adding that you know a lot of experience into the into the squad and into the club, mm-hmm. and experience does win your games. That, that's the reality of it. And Steve Corica will be running a tight ship this year, and really just trying to get them back onto it and. I'm not going to go against Jack here because just his wealth of knowledge is way far superior of mine. Um, they, oh, you can see them wanting to come back to being that squad. New stadium, let's get fans to it because it is a great stadium for a start. Let's get fans in that stadium. And you know what? If they get 10,000 people in that stadium, it will reverberate around that ground phenomenally and it will be a great place to play and it will be a hard place to play as an away team. So if they can build that as a fortress – in the A-League season, if you win your home, if you get points out of every single home game you play, yeah. you're in a great position. Yeah. So if that's what they can do and they can put themselves in a position to play finals, you're going to back a club with a history and a coach in Steve Corica yeah. to get the job done or to at least go really far into pushing that job done. Look, if the finals become down in Melbourne, yeah, you back, you know, the home, that home advantage is huge. Yeah. But the reality is if they can put themselves in a position, there's no reason they can't push it because they've got those experienced players that know how to do it on the big stage. And pressure's not a thing to uh, Andrew Redmayne. So comes to penalty shootouts, you're just back Sydney all the way, don't you? Luke Bratton back in as well, massive in. Um, really solid centre-back pairing with Wilkinson and Donachie. Um, I Yeah, Donachie was actually at the Jets not long ago and then went to India um, through COVID. And it was a, I was um, upset to see him leave um, our squad. But we've got some good centre-backs. We could talk about the Jets later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I think Sydney FC fans have a lot to be excited for this season, um, and they should. Yeah, I, I'm. I would like to actually get along and go to a game at the new um, yeah. the stadium as well. All of the talk will be about the three big Victorian teams, and yeah. Sydney FC are just going to slide under the 
radar and when it comes to crunch yeah. in finals, they're just going to pop up, win a few away games and um, and take it out. That's my tip. I think their third favourite to win the title behind Victory and City. Yep. So $7.50 if you're a betting man. Jump on it. Wellington Phoenix. Speaking of teams that... Have made um, have made the finals. Probably not necessarily deserved it. I don't know. That's my opinion on them last season. They finished sixth. They scraped in, um, but they had a minus fifteen goal difference, which was by far and wide the worst of last season's finalists. It probably, I mean, this is probably a conversation for a different day, but it digs up the old question about the quality of finals teams. Is it a bit diluted? Uh, and whether we, where we sit in the debate of um, whether the format needs to change to top six or top four, uh, sorry, from top six to top four and um, or scrap finals altogether. But, oh, yeah, if we're going to scrap finals altogether, we need more league games, yeah. uh, full stop, I think. And, and to argue... Oh, it wasn't competitive this year. They had a negative 15. Well, two years, uh, sorry, not this year, but the year before in the NRL final system, the team that finished eighth had more losses than wins. And they, and they, they made it to the, end of the finals this year. That exact record had you finished, the same record that finished eighth the year before had you finishing 14th. So it, it's purely just a year by year thing. We could see the closest A-League season this year and have, you know, the top six teams split by three points. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, how good is this? Imagine if it was just the, you know, every team can win it. It's, it's a year by year thing. One year it's going to fit. The next year it's going to look stupid and we all go, well, this is a silly idea. We should go to a, a system where it's, you know, the best team is the team that's on top after, you know, X amount of games. But the reality is we do not play enough games for that to be the qualifying reason. You play more, the NPL juniors play more games than the A-League players. And that, that's that's the reality, and that's that's ridiculous. So if you, if we're going to do this properly, and, and like we should, this shouldn't be a final series. The only reason we do is because we're in Australia, and Australian sports have final series. And the A League went, well, this would be a great way for us to, you know, get the attention of more people. Mm. But it's not football. But you need relegation. Oh, relegation! Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. So when we get to that stage, it's a conversation for then. But until that point, finals. This is great. This started with Wellington, then we're now talking about how the A League should be ranked. No, <laughs> Wellington. I have a lot of respect for Wellington. I have them just finishing outside the top six in seventh. Um, Fukutale is a great manager. Um, I think uh, you know one of the the big clubs in Australia would do very well to get his services um, as he's still developing. Uh, they've bought. I mean, Ollie Sale, I think, is probably the best shot stopper in the league, their keeper, um, the New Zealand international. Uh, Yugarkovic is a strong signing for them. He'll run the centre of the midfield. He did a great job at um, Newcastle and f- failed at Wanderers, but um, that their team just seemed to be in total disarray last season. They've brought in a big Bulgarian striker called Krayers. Um, hearing a lot of good things about him. He's had 24 caps for Bulgaria, so interesting to see how he goes. He'll be replacing Gary Hooper as their main talisman. Um, they've also brought in a Polish international, Oscar Zawada. Actually, I'm not sure if international, but um, seems to be um, another player with a good club CV. Um, and back at their um, their home ground playing at Sky Stadium. So uh, similar to Sydney, uh, Mitch, as you were saying, they can create a real atmosphere, make it a fortress. So I think um, Wellington Phoenix will be hard to beat at home this year. Um, and if they can, you know, snatch a few wins on the road yeah. well then they sh- will absolutely be a threat to finals in the top six if they, imagine if they got the opportunity to host a home final like that but having to travel over there that's a, it's a huge disadvantage yeah. time zone wise and like it's not the biggest difference but it's enough that it throws you a little bit and it, it's all relative but for coming into this season I, I, I think they'll be quite 
I just think that home factor for them is so is so strong. It is. Like having forcing teams to go and play across the ditch. It, it's a different atmosphere. It's not what you're used to. It's something else. And, and obviously the weather, the climate's completely different to what it is here as well. So, you know, I think just all those factors makes going and having to play in Wellington and the fact that they're going to have to travel less. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not less, but the fact that they're not, they're actually going to be based at home. Oh, well, yeah. That, that, that makes a big difference. And those players, I think, will feel better for being at home than they did in previous years. So that, that all adds up and it'll be interesting to see where they finish this year. I'm not going to make a prediction on just yet on them. Um, but I, I just think it'll be it all depend on how they start the season. Mm-hmm. Because those early games can just they can get your season off to such a nice start and make you know that middle period not as stressful. If you've got games in the bank, wins in the bank going into this World Cup break, that's that's huge. And you look at a lot of these players; they're not going to be, and for most A League teams, there's not going to be a great loss to to the World Cup. Meaning you're not going to have a full training camp, but you can definitely keep fit and, and improve on the things. So if they go and win with a you know uh, some solid points under their wings, they can maybe afford to rest a little bit getting niggles out of the system and then do a little mini pre-season of, you know, a week or two weeks of definitely hard training and go come back in firing again and just be able to kick off from where, they've, where they started. Barbarossus will be a great signing for them as well, going back to his spiritual home. Um, he, he will score goals for them in Wellington. That's a given. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing them play this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I really think that they will come close to being a final side. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, again, um, yeah, they were, they were an interesting case, but I guess um, you, you can't really get a proper read on them because of the effects of, you know, the last couple of COVID seasons. So, yeah, uh, hopefully um, with the return to playing games back in Wellington, um, we, we could see um, a rise from the Phoenix this season. Um, let's talk about... Perth Glory and Brisbane Raw. Let's talk about them together um, because I might be being a bit harsh again, um, but I, I feel like their two managers, Ruben Zadkovic and Warren Moon, they're probably amongst the, um, I, I, I guess, the, the managers under the, mo- under the most pump heading into the season. Would you agree, Mitch? You just gave me a weird look. Under the under the pump was just the way you said that sentence really threw me. <laughs> it was just under the most pressure. Yeah. Um, look, you got a question. Obviously, the FFA Cup, oh FA Cup for them. If a raw was interesting, uh, the pressure side of it, yeah, there'll be pressure on them. Like, I think any A League, well, it's every coach in any sport really. The second you have two bad games in a row, everyone's asking for your head. No matter what the players on the pitch are doing, you're the one at fault. So, you know, we we could see Popovich go out and lose his first two games, and all of a sudden they're calling for his head after he led victory to such a, a fantastic spot. But look, it'll be interesting to see how the raw go. But I think they recruited well enough to not have themselves in such a bad position I, I i'm ignoring what happened in the pre in, in the fa cup because that's in the united team did click enough things and the reality is at the stage they lost yes they still should be fit and firing but it's it's still very early in their not very early but it's still early enough in their preseason that it's a 13 week preseason it's different if it was a six week preseason because you've got no excuse not to be going from the get-go 13 weeks you almost have to taper 
Like 13 weeks is a mighty long preseason for professional athletes that you need firing for another 20 weeks. Yeah, I don't think Tony Sage will put too much pressure on Zadkovic early days. Um, very different strategy to what they had last season, you know, bringing in Sturridge and mm. having um, a lot of um, players in their sort of mid-30s. Uh, they've brought in young players, Amini, Kolakowski, Williams, um, Ivanovic. Uh, like they all need time to be able to um, work gel with their new coach um, and I think Ruben Zajkovic whether it's Ruben or an, another coach but I think Tony Sage is going to try and build a, a core group of young players who want to stay and commit to that club and find success at Perth Glory so to do that you need to have a level of patience um, as we're seeing you know Arsenal and Arteta um, <laughs> Premier League's not my forte but I think you know patience it, has it, paid it, off it, it has um, and I, I don't know if Zajkovic is, is the man to, to take them there but I think they do need to give him time to, to let him prove himself and, and and he'll get a season there um, they've had some you know obviously some departures Brandon O'Neill is a big loss um who else have they like Andy Keogh, I believe he's gone into a coaching role there, Mitch. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I believe you applied for that job, but you didn't quite get it. <laughs> they, they've lost a few young players, but yeah, uh, they've, they've got enough talent there. They've brought in uh, David Williams. It's good to see him back in mm. the A-League. Um, not, not sure where he went to, but I think I saw him probably playing back in that 2006-07 year when Nicky Carl scored that goal of the season when I first kind of got on the A-League bandwagon. So, um, yeah, he, he'll play a role and hopefully be able to mentor some of the younger players coming through. I still have them finishing bottom of the table, um, Perth Glory, but um, I reckon they'll be competitive and if their young players show signs and they're exciting, um, that's what their fans will, will want to see this year. So if, if they do finish bottom again, would you still have Zadkovic staying? If they're playing the right brand of football and their younger players are developing, yep. um, I think in the A-League, you can turn things around relatively quickly. So Tony Sage might see that, yep, you know what, we finished at the bottom, but this core group of young players coming through are loving being here. They're loving playing with each other and they're going to commit to next year. Let's continue to give them the right amount of game time and development mm -hmm. and then get the right players around them next season. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think you can allow a year for development with a, with a plan to really have an attack at finals the following season. To be honest, and, and I'll get booed for this, I think the most interesting part for Perth Glory is not going to be on the pitch, but which pitch? Because they don't, they're not HBF. They've been linked to a Macedonian park or Macedonian uh, home ground of one of the local teams in Perth. But that hasn't been, I don't think that's been confirmed just yet. So I actually, I actually don't know where they're playing this season in regards to their home games. Um, so that will be interesting in terms of, there's a big difference between playing on a full-time ground yep. that is for professional sport in terms of the management of it. And no doubt that if whatever pitch Perth Glory end up on, that that will be the way it goes. But I tell you what, there are some local grounds, even NPL grounds, that playing football on is not easy. Yeah. Kingston Heath, phenomenal, where our Bentley Greens are home to. Eastern Lions, a bit interesting. It's it's a bit up and down. If Perth Glory end up on a track like that, it could be actually a bad place for teams like your Melbourne Cities who like to move the ball in the deck, your teams like Victory who did that a lot last year. It could be a harder game to go, harder place to go and play. And if Perth Glory are used to it, it could be a place out west where there's some upsets. And I'm not saying throw your early money on you know Perth Glory's first home game, but maybe it could be worth a dig for 
for at least a draw. Perth Glory aren't playing a home game until round six. There's reasons and, for that. That's, that's and, exactly why it is. And that is against Brisbane Raw at Macedonia Park. Yep. So they are confirmed at Macedonia Park. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd almost, you know, if you're a local WA listener, go out there, take some photos of the ground for us, send them back. Uh, could be a happy hunting ground. Yeah. Well, they, they brought in a couple of internationals, um, a Tunisian uh, called Khalifi, um, who actually played with uh, Lacroix from Western United in Switzerland. Um, so it's really good in the A-League when you see a lot of the recruits, uh, the imports, sorry, I should say, that they bring in are all friends of other imports yeah. who are either play, currently playing or used to play in the A-League. Um, like factor behind us bringing good talent into Australia. Yeah. Um, and it obviously shows that the, the players are having a good time and think that it's a good enough standard of football. Um, seeing him, there's also Mark Beavers, who's a centre-back, played at Peterborough um, prior to that at Bolton, um, can score goals as a centre-back, big aerial threat there. So, um, yeah, there's, there's enough talent, like we say, in every yeah. team. But, um, yeah, they'll have to have a few things go right for them. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. What about the Central Coast Mariners boys? Um, secured back-to-back top five finishes in 2020-21 and 21-22. However, they fell short with an, um, with elimination final defeats on both occasions. I mean, they've been the they've been the most talked about A-League team around the world for a while because of their um, little starlet, uh, Garen Kewal, who is making the big um, the big move to the Premier League with Newcastle United. Have, have the Mariners got what it takes to, to bounce back from these uh, a couple of final exits um, and mount a challenge for the title, especially while Kewal is still there on his farewell tour? There's no, but if he's your best option, if he's your best option to win games, you've got to start him, whether he's whether he's leaving or not. And I, I think, I think that'd be silly not to in terms of. If he, but he might not be the. We, Newcastle United might be signing him on the basis of, um, uh, you know, growth and potential growth, and not necessarily who he is now. If if Central Coast have a better option, then you start that. But as far as I'm concerned, he should be. If he's your best option, he starts. You know, whether he, he's leaving in January, full stop. We know that. And but you know, Newcastle might have a have something in there saying if he gets injured he's your problem or you've got to pay X amount of his thing. You don't we don't know what's in the deal. I don't have them tipped to, to play finals this year. Yep. Um I think Kai Rolls is a massive loss for them. He was a rock in centre back. Um so I, I know they've brought in some centre backs, um some international players, uh Brian Kaltik uh, and there's also um, Marco Tulio, um, who's from Brazil, who represented Brazil in sort of junior level, um, recently played in Brazil Serie B. But again, we'll, we'll, time will tell how strong he is. Uh, Qual, will he start? Can he play up front with Cummings? Have they both? Can that work in, with their system? Well, they, they combined pretty well for Australia against New Zealand. Qual did set up Cummings um, in the second game during that international break, and. Also, I mean, that game against Barcelona, that um, friendly match that the A-League All-Stars had, QL was unbelievable. I don't know if you guys watched that, but Shabby yeah. was talking to him, uh, talking about him after the game, um, obviously talking him up a fair bit, swap shirts with Aubameyang. Um, yeah, I mean, he was playing against Barcelona. and. I know it wasn't Barcelona's first game. No, no, no. Sorry, I was laughing the fact he swapped search of the bar being there. He's wearing a Chelsea shirt, but that's... <laughs> it is a funny situation. But, yeah, I mean, I think he hasn't signed up to Central Coast yet, but I don't see why they wouldn't start him. 
He's an exciting talent, and as Australian, especially on the eve of the World Cup, you really do hope he gets a ticket to fly to Qatar. Um, uh, yeah, the, the role that he'll play in the next month, um, I personally, I sort of hope that they don't play him too much um, because the, it, the injury is a bit of a concern and I think he's already got his ticket booked. More than happy for, for him to come on at just the 60th minute and continue to be so that threat, threat off the bench. Yeah. Um, Jason Cummings, is, he's been great. Um, whether he goes to Qatar as well, it'll be interesting. He yeah. probably has a, a month to try and prove himself um, to see if he can get on the, the plane. But... Yeah, I'm just not sure with the Mariners this season. I think they've, um, I'm yeah, Marco Urena as well was a really strong contributor for them. Um, Vukovic comes in as keeper um, mm-hmm. to replace Birigidi, so that's a pretty good replacement for um, for uh, one of the best. I think he was actually the keeper of the season last year. Yeah. Um, Sammy Silvera comes back, um, he, who was at the Jets, who didn't get much of an opportunity there, um, but he's a, a you know. He's got a, a fair bit to offer on the on the wide in attacking roles there. So, yeah, it, it they I look at the, I'm looking at their squad now, and I just don't see enough um, quality through the middle of the park for them to be a real threat. Adelaide United, I really like the look of them to actually win the title this season. They they only finished two points behind Western United last season, and obviously Western won the championship. So. Um, and they uh, Adelaide United also pushed Melbourne City all the way in the semi-finals as well it's worth noting so obviously they've got Craig Goodwin in there um, he had a massive season last year and if he's anywhere near that level again you I mean you have to at least be worried about um, their progress heading into the season they, they could finish um at least in Oregon, they could finish top four. Um, what, what, what would it take for Adelaide to close the gap on some of those title contenders? A goal scorer up front. Yeah. Um, Abusuki. Um, again, apologies for the pronunciation across this podcast, especially because we haven't had a, a round yet to hear how the common commentators pronounce all of these names but I know he played last season played a few games um, six foot five um, a, a big unit um, for, for him to link up with the likes of Goodwin and mm-hmm. um, on the wing if they can have a target uh, Halloran as well who's still a really good A-league player um, that will be the difference between them being yeah. finishing fifth to finishing second yeah. um, I, Craig Goodwin's my tip for um, Johnny Warren medal uh, I think he's probably um, the best yeah. player in the A-League and he just understands the league he's obviously really settled yeah. in Adelaide um, he's a fantastic captain uh, they've brought in some talent Zach Zach Clough from um, where so they've kept him from loan actually um, which is good attacking mid um, they've also brought in Stefan Mork no sorry Stefan Mork's gone um, to a J-League team um, which is a bit of a loss there um, Mark Milligan is a is a big asset. Um, it's great to get oh, him. Yeah. I believe he left from Macarthur. I'm not sure yeah. what happened there, but he'll What's be fantastic for the younger players. players. Well, you talk about experience and just you know what they've got to do, and and as Jack just alluded to, the whole experience of Milligan. Oh, he has won. Yeah. He knows what it takes to win. He knows the standards that has to be set. So, you know, I, I think that would be half the reason he's brought in, not half the reason, but it'd definitely be a reason why he was brought into this squad and to be involved with this group is just to be that extra bit of leadership. And, you know, it's the difference between ordering chips or salad. Yeah. You know, it, it, those little things over a course of a year can make the biggest difference. You know, the extras 1% is on the training park. And I think, you know, he'll bring that standard in and, 
and hopefully that can be what helps Adelaide United become more you know, more competitive and can be that edge. And I think they have one of the more exciting um, Australian talents in um, Alexander Popovich as well um, as a centre-back. I'm really, yeah, looking forward to seeing him have a full season at Adelaide United. Yeah. Um, for me, I look at him as a future Socceroo who should be playing in Europe in a, in a few years' time, like a Kai Rolls. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. I, I, I liken them to maybe the Essendon Football Club of the A-League. Based on uh, their finals appearances, they haven't reached finals since the 2016-17 season. It's a long time for a club uh, with their reputation and you know their supporter base, but um, you know the, they've had five seasons now of just rubbish, absolute rubbish. Um, is this they've made some really good acquisitions though so is this the year they finally uh, rise up the table obviously brought over Ninkovic 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 that was a lot harder to say than what I thought and I don't usually have an issue with his name it seems like they're a very rich club have a lot of like plenty of resources mm-hmm. they're been, you know one of the biggest clubs and um, when they're going their supporter groups turn their support turn out um, yeah. so we what as we want the league to be strong and we want the Western Sydney Wanderers to be strong it certainly helps the Sydney Derby is one of the best games to go to yeah. um, so look I don't have a huge amount of confidence in them being a championship threat but I think they might they should scrape into finals Brandon Borello is a massive acquisition mm-hmm. um, he's another player who has a month to um, basically earn his call up to Qatar um, so we'll see how he goes they've brought in some international players or they've brought in a lot of players i'm not going to go through all of that otherwise we'll we'll be here all night yeah. uh, lawrence thomas comes back which is a big, yeah. big in for them um that, I, I feel like they've been struggling to have a really solid keeper yeah. between their sticks for a few years um so yeah we'll just like for the last three seasons you look at their squad and you go yep pretty impressive on paper yeah. but they it just hasn't worked so um it will we'll see this year just how good Mark Rudin is really yeah um I mean he seemed to do quite well at Phoenix did okay at United um and now he's at a big club with even bigger expectations so pressure's on last but not least uh your boys Jack the Newcastle Jets um obviously scoring goals was not a problem for them last season um they had plenty of them plenty plenty goal scorers um but this season, once again, another spending spree. 11 new players come into the club. Can they deliver this time around? Sell us some hope. I have the Jets at sixth. So finishing sixth. So just scraping into finals. I think Arthur Pappas um, was, and rightly so, really plauded for the way um, the Jets, we got them playing really quality, attackive football. Attacking football last season, which was good to watch. Um, Brandon O'Neill is a great get for them. Piscopo, a- another really strong get. They announced their captains just today, actually, um, yep. being a Tuesday in Carl Jenkinson, Brandon O'Neill, um, and also Matt Yerman, which is interesting having three co-captains. I haven't, I don't think I've really heard of that before. Um, 
Becker and Mikkeltsatse, he was just um, second in the, the goal scoring last year to Jamie McLaren in what was quite an average year for the Jets. So I have him tipped um, for the, the golden boot. Maybe a bit of bias in that, being a Jet supporter, but, you know, I've, I've, if I can't sell myself hope, who can I sell it to? That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, look, they've got the, – the, I think they've bought it one of Becker's, Mikkeltsatse's friend, another um, Georgian player. Georgian player, he's um, only 20. 22 years of age, centre midfielder. Um, this weekend, they're playing in the F3 derby, which actually marks the club's 600th competitive match. So there's an interesting stat for you there, Mitch. Um, uh, yeah, I think they've got a really solid centre-back, three really strong centre-backs, um, really strong wide players. Trent Bahaja will have a lot to prove. Um, O'Neill and Piscopo playing through the midfield. So uh, Angus Thurgate won the young player of the year last year for the A-League. So um, they'll definitely um, consider their season a failure um, unless they're playing finals. Yeah, you can't tell me much more. I just like, look, I, I want to see them do well just purely on the basis of their coach, Arthur Pappas. Uh, obviously coming from an NPL background and making the rise, the better he can do those, you know, it, it shows a pathway for, you know, aspiring or NPL coaches in general, but it shows that the NPL is a pathway you can get into the A-League and professional coaching. So for him to keep going and if he can go from strength to strength and finish, you know, six or finish in, in that final series or get into that final series, sorry, you know, it's a really good sign for, for coaches coming through. So just on that basis alone, I want to see them do well, but obviously, you know, they've been able to add a good amount of depth into this squad and it is about building. So if as long as you can build on the foundations he built last year, there's no reason they can't, you know, finish in that final, you know, in that final contention. I really like the Jets, the, the ins and outs when I look through them this year. Normally when for the last 10 years, the Jets, I think, have just bought in players based on a YouTube highlights reel. <laughs> so the only international import that they bought in was one of um, Mikkel Satsay's um you know, uh, Georgian friends basically, or, and he's obviously got a first-hand intel of what he's like as a player and a character, so he should be able to fit in well. Um, a lot of Australian talent, uh, there's no excuses really. He's, he's had a season to um, implement his style of football to this group, brought in the players that he's wanted to, and um, this season they'll need to play finals and next season um, be right up there. Yeah, I totally agree with you as well. I think they'll be at least playing finals this season, hopefully for your sake, but I'll be keeping a closer eye on them for you. That, that wraps up, I mean, all 12 teams. Um, we've been here for a while, um, but no, very, very thorough. But just to finish off, boys, let's go through some quick fire predictions uh, to finish off. I'll start off with, I mean, we've already answered a couple of these throughout the podcast, but we'll go through them again. What signing will impress the most this season? Uh, so I mentioned this earlier, um, but I have uh, Robert Mark for, the, for Sydney FC, yep. uh, the Slovakian, played in the Hungarian top flight for uh, Ferenc Varos. Is that how you pronounce it? I should know. My mum's Hungarian. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Champions League last season, um, played in the World Cup qualifier for Slovakia last year. He'll come down, only 31 years of age, and really feel like he wants to prove himself down here. He's not coming down for a holiday, so he's my tip. Yep. Yeah, City love a good midfielder and I think Borussia is going to be just feeding McLaren all year long and we might see a repeat of uh, last year's Golden Boot if that's a hint for my two picks. But uh, no, Borussia will be my, my pick player of the year. Yep, I'm going Nanny, probably a bit of bias in that, but I think Victory will have a good season and that will be on the back of uh, a good season from Nanny. So we'll wait and see. Golden Boot prediction, boys. Mikkel Tsatsay, Jets, mentioned that before. Jamie McLaren, City. All right, yeah, going for four in a row. 
I'm going to put in Cummings, Jason Cummings, and I reckon he's going to have a big World Cup as well. Wow. By big World Cup, I mean score a goal. Player of the season? Uh, Craig Goodwin, yep. Um, but close, Jack Rodwell. Yeah. Um, I think he, he's my dark horse to be one of the standout players for the season. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to go with my bias here and, and say Matt Miller's in for a big season. I, last year I backed Aidan O'Neill just purely on the fact of that Prem experience and coming in. And, you know, I really expect him after a, a sort of a, a quieter year to have a big one. It, it didn't sort of unfold. I still think he's got the capability. But I just think Matt Miller will want to come here and really prove a point. He didn't have a bad season when he was at the Jets in the A-League, but I think he'll want to leave. I think he'll want another chance back in Europe. And the best way to do that is by putting your best foot forward. And I think he could end up with a bulk ton of assists because he can put a, such a great ball into the box. So that's what I'm expecting. And I, I think he could really help this MacArthur team challenge. I'm going Daniel Arzani. I just think I think his, his quality, I think he's too good for the A-League, to be quite honest. I think he deserves to be playing in uh, Europe. Injuries held him back, low on confidence, gets his shot back in the A-League and I think he'll rip it up. Do you think that Azani will get assisted by Matt Miller a few times too many and that way Matt Miller will be the player of the year? Is that, is that Could be, could be. <laughs> Wait and see. And last but not least, Premiers and champion predictions this season. So our victory is Premiers, Sydney FC as champions. Yeah. As mentioned before, yeah. I think the... Um, the three Victorian teams will make up the top four um, and Sydney will just slide under the radar and um, get them at at the end of the finals really. I I think it'll be, I think Melbourne City just during the year, they they just know how to win games and they've got that experience. We saw it last year and I just think, I think they'll they'll do it quite differently. I think they'll look to put more emphasis on the Champions League uh, to try and win that because it's something they haven't won yet. But I think they'll be too strong during the season. And then I think coming into that, you know, that final series, I think your victories of the world, just with that extra experience of really big games, having Nani in that, in those moments, having them, having him around those sort of, you know, those young players and the players at victory, I think will make a big difference just in terms of he's literally won everything you can win in soccer. And he'll want to win every trophy he can win this year. And I think that could just be that little edge that victory need to, to win the grand final. I, I agree with you. I've got, I've got City as premiers and champions victory. Um, and hoping for a City victory grand final as well. I think that's been a, we've been waiting for that for a while, I think. Could have been could have been last season. Probably should have been last season, but nevertheless, um, yeah, Melbourne Derby Grand Final, wouldn't that be nice? So are you excited now, Mitch, about Jack, that a you, bit? You've twisted my arm. I'm a little bit excited, and I, I reckon I'll be attending uh, on Friday night to watch Melbourne sell the, the Premiers v the Champions. Yeah. yeah, good. And just don't compare it to the English Premier League. <laughs> it's a different product and a different game. Just love it for what it is. There's a game in your own backyard, and we need to support it. We've got a lot of young talent coming through, um, and I think Australian football is going to be in a good place if we continue to support it. 